0: Well, good morning, I'm very excited to be here with you all this morning and uh, excited to get into our new series. We're starting a brand new series this morning entitled Wisdom. There's just some things Google you can't Google and uh, how many of you guys are glad to be here this morning? Say amen. I'm excited too. I love being able to worship with you guys. Um, please be in prayer for Pastor Brock and his family. Uh, they're actually traveling today back home. Um, I believe they were in uh, Florida, so they were getting a little vacation, which is great. But if you're a guest with us today, I encourage you to come back next week. I'm the kind of guy who just kind of steps in uh, to fill in for the big shoes. So Pastor Brock is our great, he's a great friend, he's a great pastor, um, and he's our, he's our, we love him dearly. He's our great friend. So please come back. We're absolutely confident if you're a guest, you're going to get a chance to meet him and his wife, and you'll enjoy building a friendship with him. Do I speak for the church when I say he's Awesome. All right, we, all, we miss him dearly, so can't wait for him to be back, but you're here now, so you're stuck with me, and uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3, that rhyme, did you catch that? You're stuck with me, you're, you're Proverbs chapter 3, all right, I worked on that a little bit uh, this week. So go ahead and turn there, we're going to begin this series uh, on, on the topic of wisdom. Now a lot of you all, how many of you have ever Googled something before? Is anybody, not, is anybody in this room that has never Googled anything before? Raise your hand. You even know what I'm talking about? Okay, I figured, oh, a couple people. Okay, little little children. Those are little children. Okay, (laughs) appropriate. Um, So here's the thing. Every one of us typically has Googled something in our lives. And I did some research on how effective Google or Googling really is. Listen to this. There's over 40,000 searches on Google every second that goes by. That's a lot of searches, which translates into like 3.5 billion Google searches happen every single day. And to take it a step further, like every year, there's like 1.2 trillion people searching something on Google. I would say they got a good market on how, what it means to search for things online. Every one of us have used, have used that before. Well, one of the things that stood out to me is, the, the bottom line is there's certain things that honestly, only God has the answer for. Uh, yet, uh, oftentimes people don't know where to turn. We're doing this study right now in the book of Proverbs. We're gonna be starting it this week entitled Wisdom because there are certain things that you, can't, you can only look to God for in life. There's certain complexities, certain issues that happen that only God has the answer for. And the cool thing about God is thousands of years ago, before we were even, you know, in this world, we even thought of a twinkle in our mother's eye, um, God had it all worked out that in the, in the, in the, including in the word of God, there are five, what is commonly referred to called as um, wisdom literatures, the five books in the Bible that are referred to as wisdom literature. And the five books are uh, the book of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Three of those books are written by a guy named Solomon, and the one we're going to look at today is Proverbs. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs because in that book, the Bible says the wisest man who ever walked on the face of the earth pinned down certain answers that we need to know when we're trying to make our way through the complex issues of life. So that's why we're doing this study. And kind of this message is like this overarching banner. I'm kind of like that that cheerleader guy on the football field who kind of waves the flags. You know those big ripped guys? Okay, I'm lacking the muscle. But anyway, I'm carrying the flag down down the football field because I want you to see... When you and I take serious the initiative of, 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 of really pursuing a life of wisdom, when we do that, there are incredible blessings that God has in store for us. And so the, the flag that I'm going to wave in front of you today is get in on the blessing of wisdom that God has in store for you. So as we go through this series, you're going to hear this, this common definition of wisdom. Um, that we, have the pastoral staff, kind of gathered together say, okay, if we're going to give our church something that will serve them well through this next series to help them have, like, handlebars, so to speak, on what wisdom really is, what could we tell them that, based on Scripture, it is? So here, write this down. A biblical definition of wisdom is this. Biblical knowledge applied. So when we talk about wisdom, we don't want there to be any ambiguity here. When we say the word wisdom, we're talking about biblical knowledge applied. So in other words, what God's word says when we do those things that he tells us to do, that's living in wisdom. That's what it means to walk out in wisdom. Uh, And therefore, today's passage is going to talk to us about the blessing of when we apply God's word to our lives. So um, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter three. If you don't have a Bible with you this morning, don't worry. There should be one underneath a, a chair next to you. Um, and if, if you can go and grab that, turn to the book of Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible of your own, make this your Bible. I'm serious, yo, take that. that write your name in that book. That's your Bible. That's a gift, all right? So don't walk away from a gift. Everybody likes gifts, especially free ones. Okay, um, all right, we're, we're gonna be starting in verse 13. And uh, we're gonna start, we're gonna go all the way through verse 18 here. It says Solomon writing this letter to his son obviously has greater implications than just that. It's for us even sitting in this room. Great wisdom truth. Here we go. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her, speaking of wisdom, is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her and those who hold her fast are called blessed. Two things I wanna point out to you real quick in this verse, in the, the, begin, the, the text begins with the word blessed and it ends with the word blessed. And let's go ahead and pray because I want you to see There is something here that is buried in this passage that is gonna, almost like, it should stir your heart. It should create this invigorating passion inside of you to want wisdom. It's gonna, our prayer is that God would crave, cause a craving in you that just simply cannot be uh, quenched other way than to apply God's word to your life this morning. So let's pray together. Let's unite our hearts together in a word of prayer and ask God to even give us insight into the words that we're reading Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to just be together as a family again as we're opening up your word. It is so awesome that we can worship a living God who's transforming us every day to be more like Christ. Lord, we so desperately need you, Lord, not just in our lives to make it through the next day, but we need you now. We ask that you will help us to understand your words accurately. And we help us to begin to discover the kind of life that you promised us to experience. The life that you've designed us to experience. We pray that you would bless this moment in your precious name. And the church said, amen. Okay, let's get into this. So here's what I did. If you, did anybody like to doodle or, not doodle, that's not the right word, underline or underscore or highlight things in your Bible? Anybody like to do that? Okay, so I'm going to challenge all of you guys to do that. This is, this is the moment. I want you to draw a smiley face in your Bible. I did, I said smiley face. Draw a smiley face next to the word blessed in this passage. If you're comfortable with that, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna tell you to do something you're uncomfortable with, but do that because that word means happiness. Every time you see the word blessed in this passage, it, it has this idea of being happy, all right? So it's this overwhelming sense of joy. So here Solomon's telling his son, happy is the one who will find wisdom. Now we know what wisdom is. Wisdom is biblical knowledge applied, so he's saying blessed or happy is the one who decides and determines to apply God's words to their life. And then he gets intense. How many of you guys have an intense father figure in your life? You may have an intense father figure, like they get all up in your business in the most awkward times, you know? Okay, well, so um, I have a father like that. My dad is, is always in my business. My, my dad, my, my wife's dad, my dad. Um, and so here's the interesting thing. Um, I was a kid, and uh, my dad always got in my face about my grades. Anybody have a father figure like that? And you're great. Got to get good grades, son. You got to get good grades. One time I came home, and I brought home my report card, and he got in my face, and he said, son, listen, this is unacceptable. Unacceptable, son. You're a Catronio. Make good grades. Good grades mean good scholarships. Good scholarships mean good college. Good college means good money, and good money means taking care of your dad when he's old. All right? That's what that means. So you got to get good grades. I'm like, Dad, it was PE. I got a B plus in PE. Get off me, you know? So that's kind of what happens in the next couple of verses here. Um, Solomon gets all in his son's face in verse 14 and 15. Listen to what he says. He says, for the gain from wisdom is better than the gain from silver, and her profit is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing, son, nothing you desire can compare with her. Son, you getting this? It's so important to understand. If you learn to apply God's word to your life, you're going to experience a happiness that can never be satisfied any other way. You are created to experience happiness, and it's only going to come when you get serious about applying God's word to your life. Son, do you get it? Grabs it by the collar. Do you get it? You get it? Church, do you get it? Okay, turn your neighbor and say, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Get off me. Okay, I got it. All right. So here's the thing. As this passage continues to unfold, um, I want you to see he actually explains four specific, very specific ways you and I will have a happy life as we determine to apply God's word to our lives. Are you ready for this? Say amen. All right, here we go. We're going to get right into the text. we continue. In verse 16 and verse 17, he unpacks very carefully four specific things. And I want to point out the first one to you. In your handout, you'll notice this point. When I apply God's word, I will be blessed with an enduring life. Verse 16, with an enduring life. He actually says in verse 16 very clearly, long life is in her right hand. Now, when you first read that, you're questioning things like, what what does he mean by that? Well, long life, he's implying longevity. He's implying your life is going to, you know, continue longer than the average pace, right? Or maybe, um, you know, you're going to live longer. Now, let's stop right there. How many of you guys find some beef with that in the text? You ever have problems with that? All of us in this room probably know people that might have gone home to be with the Lord sooner than what we would ever anticipate, like what in the world? These people are passionately following God by chance. Maybe they're, they believe God, they firmly believe God, they wanna walk with God, but yet they get struck with cancer, or they get sick and die early, or maybe they're driving their car and they get in a terrible accident. We all know situations like that. So when we come to a text like this, the first thing that questions are, comes to my mind is, that can't be true, God, because I see the opposite in my world. You know, you feel the tension there? Well, here's the, here's the point. I want you to see that, well, I'll make this st- statement too. In the book of Proverbs, they're not, Proverbs are not always promises from God, but they're principles to follow. But hear me when I tell you this, he is indeed giving you a promise in this verse. He's grabbing his son by the collar and he's saying, son, listen to me, you will have an enduring life if you apply God's word to your life. And here's how. He's got so much more in mind than just the temporal life. He is talking about a never-ending, always enduring, always expanding life eternal in this passage. He's not giving you a short-sighted, um, earthly, tangible, temporal life. He's saying when you apply God's word to your life, it's going to have implications that will last for eternity. Now it's so powerful. There's so much hope in that, especially if you have lost a family member or a loved one. I mean, so I know that we're there's some people in the church right now that are going through that journey right now. And just, just listen to that powerful truth. I love what Jesus, when he was confronted, he made this statement by one of the Pharisees. He said, well, what's gonna happen when, 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 he, when he resurrection of the dead? And Jesus made this comment. He said, listen, in heaven, there is no dead. My father is God of the living. He's not God of the dead. That's powerful. So for me, how it made sense to me in my life, I was thinking about this passage. Do you remember what it was like when you first trusted Christ? Those of you in this room that are, are, are walking with Christ, you remember sometimes you've been walking with Christ for a long time and you kind of forget this. But I remember for me, I was just minding my own business. You know, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips, man. I had everything I needed in my life. I mean, it was okay. My life was kind of messy, but I, I thought I had everything I needed. And then you meet a Christian. You, know, you meet someone who, who's, not, and I'm not talking about a Christian that says they're believers, but they truly walk with Christ. They have this unusual ambiance about them. They have this... True, lasting happiness that you can see. It's not fake. It's not put on. I I've actually first met a, a Christian, a, a believer, when I was in juvenile detention center. Long story. But anyway, when I, when I met this guy, I mean, there was he, was he was happy as he was locked up. I'm like, this doesn't even make sense. I got aggravated by that and, and mad about it. But when I first heard the gospel from my uncle, uh, and he explained to me, he said, listen, Joe, listen, God has a life that is so exciting for you. You can't even begin to imagine. Bottom line is, you think you've got life now, but what God has for you is so far surpassing. He says, what it is, you have to understand, God passionately loves you, passionately loves you. And there's a problem because your sin, your rebellion, what you're living like right now, this thug life, true thug life, is causing a massive wedge between God and you. This rebellion You're going in the opposite direction from what God intends for you. He said, and here's the thing, God doesn't want you to stay there. In fact, what he did is he did something outrageous. He came into the world, took on human form. This is the creator God, took on human form, became a man so that he could take your place and the punishment that you deserve from your rebellion. He bore it himself, all of the wrath and the justice of God. He endured so that you don't have to endure that. And then the Bible says he, he died and rose again three days later, y'all. Three days later, came back to life. And next thing you know, he comes, in, why did he do that? He's trying, he's showing everybody that only God, only Jesus is the one who can give you real, lasting life, the things that we're wanting the most. And in that moment, I just remember thinking, yeah, I want that, but what do I got to do to get it? I remember my uncle said, listen, you don't do anything. Just confess that Jesus, I need you to save me. I can't fix this relationship. You are the only way. Fix me. Fix this relationship, and I just want you. In that moment, I experienced a joy I cannot explain other than saying when I applied God's word to my life regarding my salvation, I experienced an enduring life and in that moment, overwhelming joy. You know, sometimes we forget those things, right? Especially if you're going through the valley of the shadow of death right now or maybe in the future. When those moments happen, remind yourself, hey, wait a minute, I have, I've been promised an eternal enduring life here, so I need to apply God's word right now in this situation as I walk through this valley of death right now, if I apply God's word, I will experience happiness. Mark this down. If you don't apply God's word when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you are missing out on everything God has intended for you in this season of your life. That's so important you get that. All right, so... Going back, go back to Solomon and his son as he's, you know, really grabbing him by the collar and saying, "Listen, you're going to have an enduring life. You know, understand that when you when you experience the application of God's word, you're going to experience life eternal as you obey God, especially as it regards to your salvation." The second thing I want you to see, you will be blessed by, or made happy by. He says, "When you apply God's word, I will be blessed with a successful life." Now, see that. I was studying that out, and I'm like, man, I, th- I don't like that. I don't, I don't like that terminology, a successful life. I was at Barnes & Noble this week um, as I was studying for this message because I was in Nashville, Tennessee with a bunch of rednecks. Um, no offense if you happen to be a redneck. Um, so I, uh, they, these people out in t- Nashville, Tennessee, they are crazy, lighting fireworks in, in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., and maybe that was you. It was you here in, in, uh, in Indiana. I don't know. Um, but when I was there in Barnes & Noble, they had an entire section of books entitled self-help books, how to get success in your life, how to be more successful, and all these different things. And I remember being kind of bothered by that, and I'm reading this text, and I'm thinking very clearly, it's kind of what he's saying in verse 16. Continue what he says. He says, long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Those two words are pretty important words. I encourage you to circle those. Riches and honor. He's talking about financial growth, which is the richest part, and he talks about um, your, your character, your conduct, you know, the, 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 the part of you who, that, that, that emulates Christ. In fact, the word honor there is the Hebrew word, kadov, kadov and it means this idea of, um, it's always, a lot of times it's referencing the God's glory. So what, God's character is what he's saying. So you're, you're gonna increase in your financial growth is gonna increase, and your character, your, your Christ-likeness, your spiritual life is going to increase. As you apply God's word to your life. Makes sense. I mean, I get that. But what about the financial part? Because that's where a lot of people get hung up on. There's a lot of um, you know, prosperity gospel movement conversations going on. People say, oh, well, you just need to have faith in God and you'll be rich and famous. That's kind of what this verse is saying. Don't you see? Not quite. It's not exactly what he's saying at all. Um, in fact, I want to unpack this for you. He actually gives you um, some very important principles that I want, I want to pull out from the text. He is clearly saying you will increase in your success as it relates to your finances and your spiritual life, but there's a biblical mandate that in order to follow. You know, the, think about when it comes to your finances. If you have financial goals, you will accomplish those goals if you have specific things lined up. And I want to show you this. If you like to take... Um, uh, practical notes for yourself, I wanna give you God's strategy for success right now. Just flat out of the book of Proverbs. Flat out, because he's very clearly saying to us, we will have, we will increase in, in our financials, our fi- financial aspects, as well as our spiritual aspect, and here's how. It's the same steps that you have to apply. The same, there's three steps that I wanna show you that are God's strategy for success. First step, both financial and spiritual. You gotta make a budget. <laughs> you've got to budget what you've received. That's the point. Now, here, write this reference down. Proverbs 21, verse 20. So this is where it relates to our finances as well as our spiritual life. This proverb says this This is Proverbs 21, verse 20. Precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. In other words, the guy has a plan. He sets down in the, in the beginning of the month and he establishes a plan. How many of you guys um, are newly married, newly married people in here? Raise your hand, newly married people, couple, okay. All right, newly, I love, I love newly married people. They're always exciting, man. Love being around that. Um, I guess, because I'm kind of exciting, I guess. Anyway, so some people think I'm ADD. I assure you I'm not. Um, so anyway, so when you hang around young married people, I love having premarital counseling people and I explain them, there's value in budgeting. Now, you know, every family's different. Usually you have a spender and you have a, a, um, a saver. It's important to have a plan, bottom line. Because if you don't, you're going to spend money unwise. You're going you're to overspend in different areas. Everybody knows that, right? You get that. Do you realize the same thing applies spiritually? God has deposited inside of you spiritual gifts. He's hardwired you with unusual abilities, specific passions, a specific calling. That's in you. When you got saved, he gave that to you. So my question is, how are you stewarding those gifts right now in your life? See, I'm a new believer, or maybe I've been distant from the Lord. I haven't been walking with him for quite a long time. If you belong to him, you have specific gifts and hardwiring that God needs and desires for you to tap into. Because there's so much joy you're missing out on. So properly. Make a budget. In other words, sit down in the the middle of the week or sometime this week and figure out how can I manage my time today where I'm capitalizing and I'm increasing time with God and I'm increasing time with other people so I don't feel like I'm out of balance here. Set a plan. It's the same thing. Paul says you or the the apostle, I'm sorry, Solomon is explaining to us you're going to increase in your wealth as well as your spiritual life if you apply God's word. And a proverb is clearly teaching us to have a plan. Second thing I want you to see, a second strategy for success, simple, stay out of debt. Stay out of debt. If you can, do it now, all right? Uh, very p- common principle here. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Write that down. Proverbs 22, 7, simple strategy for success as it relates to your finances and your spiritual life. It says this, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the, l- the lender. How many of you guys have ever seen Dave Ramsey before? Ever watched Dave Ramsey's stuff? All right he is a mastermind when it comes to this stuff, stay out of debt. I'm not even going to go into all the stuff that he says there, but bottom line is this. When you decide um, to, to live a life that is determined to not be in debt, you get to decide where your money goes. You know what I'm talking about? So if, like, my wife and I, um, we bought a car when we were in Ohio and bought a van, because when you start having kids, man, I thought I was throwing in my man car when I bought a minivan, I mean, I did. I thought, I'd, I'm never going to buy a minivan. I'm a dude. I'm not going to do that. And so I bought a minivan, all right? So And I remember when I bought the thing, it was stinking outrageously priced, but I bought it and I thought, man, this is going to stink. And But we started setting a plan to pay off that debt because I'm tired of sending money to somebody that we're, they're telling me how to spend my money. You know what I'm saying? They're, they own me. They own my money. I get a paycheck and it's like, dude, there's the car bill, you know? All right, so... And it's frustrating. And I mean, everybody has debt to some degree probably. I don't know what I'm saying is this. There's something about having a life that is debt free. By the way, as a believer, spiritually speaking, when you trusted Christ, you're debt free. Christ took the debt away. You don't, you're not in debt anymore to him. You're not in debt to sin, anything. But why is it sometimes it's so easy for us to live a life like we're going back into debt? We just wanna run back to the way we used to live or do the things we used to do the point is this. If you want to increase spiritually, do the same thing you do if you want to increase financially. Stay out of debt. Don't go live in the life that you lived before. In other words, set some boundaries. Set some moral parameters, some guardrails. And then, by the way, take the, take the next step and talk about it with your small group. Have some accountability set up and say, yo, bro, this is my issue right now. I need you to hold me accountable for this. I'm serious. I slip in this often. I don't want to go back and live a life that I was living before I, when I was in debt. I don't want to do that help me with that there's freedom in that because guess what now you get to choose the best way possible how to glorify christ because you're not caught up in some sin it's freeing there's a freedom there it leads to joy and happiness now the the, the third thing i want to show you second the third principle about how to live a successful life period is give generously this goes for finances as well as spirituality um the the reference here i want you to write down is proverbs 11 verse 24 Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says this, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. I love that. He gives freely, and yet he continues to grow richer. Another withholds and he sh- what he should give and only suffers want. So the point there is, um, if you're going to do this, make sure you're giving generously, because if you're holding on to what you have, God can't give you what you, what you need or what he has planned for you. So, by the way, it works financially. Like that, in the same way spiritually. Engage in generous use of your spiritual gift. Find out what, you know, maybe you don't even know what your spiritual gift is. Maybe you're just kind of new to this whole thing, and you're like, I don't really know. Everyone's got one. God's got, some of you guys got multiple giftings, passion, something that gets you geeked up. You'll be in the, at your house thinking, man, I wonder if the church would be interested in doing something like this. I, yeah, we want to hear about your passions. We want to find out how God hardwired you so we can see you plugged into the body of Christ and have the body g- basically encouraged and edified as a result of your gifting. But generous use. Be generous with your time, with your gifting, and with your resources. You know, don't hold back. So the same principles that apply to financial increase, you can see the similarity as it relates to your spiritual increase. Budget your, your time. Budget your, your resources. You know, stay out of debt, don't go back to what you're doing, and then lastly is be generous with the gifts that God gave you. Very practical. Make sense, guys? Amen? Thumbs up, yeah? Okay, good. All right, let's go to the next thing I want you to see. By the way, there's no tricks there. It's just diligently applying God's word. All I did is just walk you through three things in the book of Proverbs. Wise things. Now now that you know what to do, let's do them. Let's do them. And you'll experience what he's talking about in this passage, an increase of um, success. All right, the third thing I wanna show you is this from the passage. When we apply God's word, we will experience an enduring life, first, a successful life, second. In verse 17, now he talks about a beautiful life, a beautiful life. Before I get into the verse, uh, verse 17, I really wanna pause here and just say, I want you to ask yourself, kind of do a lipness test on your own walk with Christ right now, your own life, your own individual life. How are you doing with these, these areas that I'm describing? Is, is there joy, is there happiness in your life as you think about eternity, life eternal? Is there, do you, do you see a pattern of success? Um, is there financial growth? Is there uh, spiritual growth? Are they coming, kind of growing together? Uh, is this happening to you? Because if it's not, simple point, there's a lack of application somewhere in the life. Does that make sense? All right, so when we come to this part of the text, I really need you to listen to that statement. Because he goes on and says this. In verse 17, here, I'm sorry, her ways are the ways of pleasantness. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness. That word pleasantness uh, means to be attractive, to be radiant, to be captivating, beautiful. All right. So her ways, wisdom, when you do apply God's word to your life, your life is going to be radiant. It's going to be beautiful. The Hebrew word is naham. All right, so it's like, you know, like a bunch of Hebrew guys hanging out one day at the park or whatever, and they're like, "Yo, man, yo, you see that Naham over there? Naham, what I'm saying, she's Naham. I mean, she's Naham." All right, so the idea there is, beautiful, radiant, she looks good, yo. All right, that's the idea. So. When we come to this particular reference, um, I could not help but believe that in my life, I experienced a little bit of the naham spoken in this passage when I first started uh, dating my wife, Becca. Um, I asked permission for this, so this is okay. Um, so when we, this is so true though, it's really happened. So we started dating, it was like a couple months into our relationship, You know, I was a freshman in, in college, she was a senior, you know what I'm saying? She was a senior, okay, I know how to work the game, work the system. <laughs> All right? So I'm macking on her and everything. So next, bottom line, and uh, I, I won her over to me, okay? This, this whole thing happened. Um, and uh, so whenever I was, when we started, I asked her to do a spring banquet. Our school was doing a spring banquet, and I asked her, I said, would you like to go to the spring banquet with me? She said, you know, you know sure, I'll go with you. I don't know if she felt bad or what it was, but anyway, so... Um, we went to the spring, I so I said, listen, Becca, I'm going to pick you up outside of your dormitory at 6 o'clock sharp, so be here. Now, she was on the second floor of the uh, dormitory, but they had an exterior exit with a railing outside. Uh, it's going to be important in a second. So anyway, um, I told her, I said, be here at 6 o'clock, I'm going to beat you right down here um, on the bottom floor, and I'll be at 6 o'clock. Okay. And so she's okay. Okay. So, um, so we go and it's, it's the day of, I'm all excited. I get a little, what are those flowers? I always get this mixed up. Did you give to the girl? What is that called? Yes. A, whatever it was you just said. That's it. Um, so and I got that. and I was just exciting. Was, I, said, I'm get, I got there at quarter tail, man. I'm, I'm ready. I'm all decked out and looking fine. Um, and so I'm just standing there and all my friends, you know, it's, it's quarter tail. They're coming up to get their girlfriends and their dates and they're going to the spring banquet and they're leaving me. And it's like you know it's getting closer to six o'clock and i'm like starting to sweat a little bit it's in jacksonville florida you sweat all the time anyway and so I'm, I'm there and i'm just waiting what in the world she's not coming out it's like two tell and she's not coming out by two tell i'm thinking she smoked me man she smoked me she went to the date or the dance or whatever it was with somebody else i'm done i'm just gonna go back to my room and just eat ice cream and sit on the floor this is bad this is bad and so i mean i just i get on my head you know and so it was like maybe two minutes after six o'clock by the point of depression, um, I, uh, she came, and all of a sudden, the doors swing open. Whoosh. I mean, every, at that moment, everything went slow motion. You know what I'm talking about? Slow motion, and uh, she came walking to the edge of the, uh, the railing, beautiful, radiant dress. I mean, gorgeous. Come out, just beautiful. And she comes to the, uh, the railing. She overlooks the railing. And I promise, a gust of wind came out of nowhere, whoosh, and her hair went, whoosh, you know. I mean, just flying. And I'm just looking at her like, are you are you serious right now? This is awesome. She's my with me, you know. And she comes walking down. She does her little hair thing. She comes walking down, and uh, she gets down to the end of the step. And I'm just, I mean, my, my chest is all puffed out. I'm like, yo, she's with me. I'm put my arm out there, and she's walking with me. Now, let me just mean. Our, our banquet was at the cafeteria hall. We're ghetto, okay? So we were, went to the cafeteria hall, roll out the big guns, all right? So I'm walking down there. I remember walking there and I just thought, man, yeah, yeah. She's with me, y'all. Naham is in the house. Naham is here. You know, I just kept thinking. And uh, bottom line is, this, it was the way her dress was so beautiful. I mean, she is a gorgeous woman. In that moment, I just really popped out very clearly the dress, her hair, the, her nails, everything about her was so captivating to me. It was so beautiful. And Solomon is telling his son, this is what it's gonna be like to people that are without Christ or without God in their life. Your life is gonna be so radiant, so captivating, so beautiful that it captures the attention of people around you that are scratching their heads saying, why, how? Is this even possible? You're walking through so much pain, but yet you have so much happiness. What's going on? It doesn't make any sense. So yeah, it does. Naham, Because when you apply God's words to your life, God does something transcendent. It becomes, he becomes so powerful in the moment in your life that you are filled with a stabilizing joy and happiness that only God can give you. And it makes people wonder how in the world this is possible. Now, remember I started out this point by saying, do a litmus test? How are you doing in this area? When it comes to this one, we well, all need to do a litmus test. Like, if I were to ask your neighbors, you're, if you were to ask your neighbors, what do you think about, you know, about my life? And my? Think about that. What kind of a life are they seeing you live out? Is your lifestyle captivating? Is it radiant? Does it make people say, how, what? If it doesn't, here's the key. Apply God's word appropriately. Because when you do, it is captivating. It stands, it stands out. All right. You track with me? Say amen. amen. All right. All right. Let's keep going. I want to show you the last thing. Um, so the, 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 just a quick review. If, we, if when we apply God's word, we're going to have an enduring life. We're going to have a successful life. We talked about that. Just kind of a couple strategies there from God's word. The third thing is we're going to have a beautiful life. And the last point is we're going to have a peaceful life. A peaceful life. I want, to, I want you to see that. Verse 17, go back to the same reference, he says to his son, her ways, wisdom's ways are the ways of pleasantness, beautiful, and all her paths are peace. Love that word, all, all, all her paths. There's not anything that you're going to experience that you can't have peace in. Even the hard things of life, even the complex things of life, when you apply God's word to those situations, you will have peace by the word peace, by the way, but the word here means peace is the same uh, Hebrew word for shalom, all right? So you know Hebrew people, they would always greet each other with the phrase shalom. Like we say, what's up, dog? All right, they say, shalom, how are you doing? That's what we think it means. But no, it means so much more. It means wellness to you, wholeness to you. In fact, the word shalom is best pictured in the Garden of Eden when God first made everything he made at the beginning. Everything was good. Everything was shalom, Beautiful, whole, lacking nothing. And here Solomon saying the same way it was in the Garden of Eden before the fall will be the same way it is for your life in the hardships of life. You will have wholeness in the midst of it all. That's so powerful. That's so powerful. So, you know, as you hear that, I, I, I keep hearing in my head Psalms 34 verse 10 where the psalmist says, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That's so good. That's so hope-filling because we all know that life is messy, right? We all know life is messy. Well, I'm going to close with this, this statement too. Um, you know, I find it very interesting um, when you, how many of you guys go to Walmart and shop? Anybody like to go to, I'm at Target, Target, Target shop. No, no, all right. So my wife's happy place. We're talking about happiness here. Her happiness is in the Lord, but second to the Lord is Target, all right? So um, one of the things that I'm, I'm learning is my son and I, we don't like to look at a lot of things, but we like to go to the toy aisle um, and uh, TVs, of course. Those are good things too. Um, but whenever we go to the toy aisle, my son and I, we, he loves, my son Landon, he's five years old. He loves going to look at Legos, And they just got that car movie that came out recently. And uh, he sees these boxes of Legos and he gets so excited about them because he sees the picture. He's like, yeah, yeah, dad, I want that. I want that so bad. I I want a Lego like that. And sometimes we're like that in our lives. You know, we read this passage and we're told here that we're going to have a happy life if we follow and apply God's words to our life. But we all know sitting in this room right now that life is not always happy. There are some horrific things that will happen to us in this life. So what are we supposed to do with that? So when the picture that we're told of God's word doesn't actually line up with what we're actually experiencing, in fact, it's more like this, a bunch of pieces that don't make any sense, like, okay, God, you told me I can have a happy life, but this is all I get? This doesn't make any sense to me. I don't even know what this is. Why did this situation just happen to me? I just lost my job? How am I supposed to be happy in that? You know what I'm talking about? Or better yet, maybe there'll be some big things where they, it's such a big issue, you can't even fit it in the bag. You know? They won't even put it in the daggum bag. You know? it's, it's such a big thing. You know? like maybe it's, a, maybe it's a health crisis or something horrific happens that you just have no bag for. Okay, When those things happen to you, what are you supposed to do? Well, here's what I love about it. It's such a silly thing, but even inside the Lego box, they give us an instruction manual. They give us an instruction manual on how... We should follow, if we follow these instructions and we're careful and diligent to apply these instructions, we're gonna have the picture, we're gonna have the picture. So when we read this passage about blessing and a happy life, church, it doesn't matter what you experience, you will have exactly what God says if we are diligent to apply God's word. I wanna show you this last slide here. I want you to see this. This is so encouraging, so powerful. Notice the emphasis here. When we apply God's word, we're gonna have an enduring life, a life that lasts forever. But notice the rest. I will be blessed with a successful life. I will, be, I will be blessed with a beautiful life. I will be blessed with a peaceful life. Here's the point. When we follow God's ways and his instructions, we're gonna have eternal life, but better than that, we get to have life Full here and now. You and I can experience the fullness of God now. Maybe you made a decision recently or a while ago. You just said, you know what, I'm throwing the towel, man. This this doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why don't we go back down there and pick that up? And let's believe that God's telling us the truth. Let's try this again. And God's gracious to help us. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so grateful for your word, we're so grateful for the powerful truths that you're giving us in the scriptures, that you have designed a life for us that is filled with happiness and I pray God, for us as a church, help us to believe, to have the faith to believe that you are faithful, to do what you said in your word. You're gonna bless us with a happy life regardless of the circumstances or the crisis if we are faithful to do what you told us to do, and God, please help us to do what you told us to do. When we doubt, when we're afraid, and we don't know how, I pray that your comforting spirit in that moment will meet us in our time of need. In Jesus' name, amen.